0: Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. We want to welcome you to Grace Crossing Church this morning. We're so thrilled that you've gathered here with us this morning as we continue our series that we began last weekend entitled One. Now, I've heard some great feedback this past week uh, from some of our connection groups and those who are really engaging in this conversation, and it sounds like there was some rich conversation around this idea of one, uh, and we are really bringing God into this area that is kind of a foreign area for many of us. It's a foreign area certainly in our world, but it's one that the Scripture teaches us a great deal about, and so we're moving into it uh, Inviting God to help us and meet us along the way. Now, there are several goals that we have for this series one that we've laid out. Let me just kind of remind us of those this morning. The first one is that we want to get a clearer understanding of what the scripture actually teaches us about this area of oneness. And it's really, really important that we find out what God has to say about this. And the Bible provides us both the motivation and the means for oneness. So we want to go to Scripture. The second thing that we've set out as our goal is that we want to lean into this area with a posture of looking and listening and learning, but ultimately loving really, really well. Loving well is the highest goal of the Christian life. It is the single greatest reading of our spiritual temperature. It's how our temperature and our faith ultimately gets evaluated. And the third goal of this series, and this is really the ultimate goal, is that we want to better align Grace Crossing Church with the kingdom of God. Now here's why that's important. It's important because... The kingdom of God is what Jesus came and promised he was going to establish here on the earth. And so our leadership is committed as a church to following God's spirit as he leads us forward and to follow God's spirit will always move us closer to the epicenter of God's kingdom. And so we're going to begin this morning like we began last weekend and like we're going to begin every week of this series we're going to take just a few moments and we're going to quiet our hearts and we're going to take some time for some silence because I believe that we do not find God in the noise and the chaos and the clutter of our world I believe the greatest place where we find God is in silence and stillness be still And know that I'm God. Before we do, let me just give you a verse that I used, and I'll use this each week, Psalm 139. Here's what we're going to do as we move into some silence. We're going to invite God to do this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. This issue has a way of stirring up anxiety in us. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. We often don't even know if there are offensive ways in us until we hear from others and until we invite God into our hearts. One of the greatest gifts we can give you here at Grace Crossing Church is we can actually give you a moment of silence. Where you can stop all the noise and activity, and we together as the family of God can look to Him. I want you to take just a moment, and I want you to quiet your hearts. And let's invite God into this moment. I want you to breathe in His peace, and I want you to breathe out. I want you to inhale God's heart, and I want you to exhale any offensive way and invite God to take it this morning. Breathe out your fears. Breathe in God's presence. Now, I want you to think back to the last time you made a phone call to customer support and you immediately recognized that the voice that greeted you was not someone who spoke English as their native language. All of us have been there. For some of you, you don't even have to journey beyond this past week. I want you to go back to that conversation. And I want you this morning to sit in it for just a few moments. And I want you to ponder these questions. What was the first thing? that came to your mind when you were greeted by an unfamiliar tone in a voice, an accent that you knew was foreign. Did it trigger anything emotionally in you? Honestly? What do you think is the origin of that feeling. How did you react internally? How did you respond externally? What was going on in your verbals and in your non verbals? Now, I don't lead us into that exercise to create some displaced sense of guilt. Rather, I lead us into that exercise to create a sense of humble awareness for what it feels like when you're not heard, when you're not understood. Now, I want you to put yourself on the other end of the line. And I want you to imagine what it feels like for people who are ethnic minorities in a majority white European culture, what it feels like for them not to be heard, understood, and valued. Pastor Life and I were actually uh, doing a lunch meeting at Rotary Park a couple of weeks back, and we greeted a man who was there who was obviously an Asian-American. We engaged in conversation with him. His name was Brian. We found out that Brian was born and raised in China. He was educated in China, but then he had his higher education in Canada and had been here in the United States for 20 years. And as we talked to him in our conversation, he said a couple of things that really, I think, express well what many ethnic minorities feel. He said, I often feel out of place. He said, and here's what he said, I feel stupid, but he didn't use the word stupid. He used a much more visceral word that I will not repeat here in church because it's somewhat offensive. But he said, I often feel stupid because I simply don't understand what's going on. As I walked away from the conversation, I couldn't help but think about the series we were about to move into and was feeling reminded that this is such a powerful, powerful topic that God has a lot to say about and that's where we're going to pick up this morning where we left off last weekend because last weekend we talked about God's heart when it comes to oneness. That's where we ended our message and God's heart for oneness is unity. But not just any old unity. God's heart for oneness is diverse unity. And there's a big difference between unity and diverse unity. Now we get just a glimpse of diverse unity in the book of Revelation, the final sixty-six book of the Bible. Now when you think of the book of Revelation and you hear that word revelation, think vision. It's not concealing something. There's not secrets here. The idea of Revelation is to reveal for us something that was in God's mind from the very beginning that now is taking place in his presence. Revelation chapter 7 gives us a glimpse into this. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation, geographical diversity, and all tribes, ethnic diversity, from all peoples, cultural diversity, and all tongues, language diversity, standing before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes, palm branches are in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Here's what this verse tells us. This verse tells us that when we get to heaven, we're going to be surrounded by a lot of people who don't look like us, who don't think like us, and who don't speak our language. And we're going to be celebrating together because worship in heaven is multicultural and ethnically diverse. It's what Jesus prayed for. It's what Jesus' heart was moving us toward. So that the night before he was betrayed and sentenced to die by execution, Roman crucifixion, Jesus prays this. In, in, in John chapter 17, in the garden, he says, I have given them the glory that you gave to me. What is the glory? That they may be one, as we are one. I and them, you and me, so that they might be brought to complete. Unity. Now, now don't miss this. I, I talked about this briefly last week. What is complete unity? It is not just agreement. Complete unity is diverse unity. I said it last week and it bears repeating. Unity gets God's favor. Diverse unity gets God's favor and the world's attention. That's actually what Jesus said. He said, then, 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 when there's complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now the question this morning that I want us to unpack together is where do we go to find a model of diverse unity here in the earth. In other words, where can you turn to see diverse unity in practice? Well, you will rarely, if ever, find it in our culture today and in our world. And so the place that we must turn is we must turn to the pages of God's Word to find the model, the prototype, the example, and the illustration of what diverse unity looks like. And the pages of God's Word are filled with it. Those of you that are in connection groups, you're going to be unpacking some of those illustrations, and they're powerful. But there is one illustration in my mind that stands head and shoulders above all of the other illustrations of diverse unity. It's actually found right within one of the cities that's talked about in the New Testament. The city of Ephesus. Now what do we know about the city of Ephesus? Well ancient Ephesus is comparable to New York City. It is a port population strategically located in a place that actually brought people together. It is one of the most um, influential cities in the Roman Empire. In fact, it was the third most influential city in the Roman Empire. Like New York, Ephesus was a cosmopolitan melting pot it was racially diverse, it was culturally diverse, it was ethnically diverse, it was economically diverse, it was religiously diverse. Like New York City, Ephesus had its fair share of conservatives and liberals. Like New York, it had its God-worshippers and plenty of idol-worshippers. And it was in that city that Paul the Apostle, the leading missionary of the New Testament, comes and plants a church. And the Bible says people from all of those different backgrounds and all of that diversity are coming to faith in Christ. They're they're becoming part of God's family and they are forming what is sort of a spiritual mosaic right there in the heart of a place like New York City. Paul plants a church among this diverse group, and he pastors this church for about three years. Now, on Paul's third and final missionary journey, Paul actually is visiting the churches that he had planted, He's actually going and he's meeting with all of the leaders, the elders, the overseers of those churches. He's encouraging them. He's affirming them. He's actually inspiring their faith. And Paul actually comes to Miletus in Acts chapter 20 and he says, I want to meet with the elders from the church at Ephesus. He gathers them together and here's what Paul says. To these elders, Acts chapter twenty, beginning at verse seventeen, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, "You know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would that would be helpful to you, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord." Jesus Christ now who are these people he's talking about he's talking about people from all of this diversity that have come together verse number 24 I consider my life worth nothing to me my only aim is to finish the race complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given to me here it is the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace Now, here's where I want us to land, verse 27. I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Question is, what is this whole will of God that Paul's talking about? To these Ephesian leaders, to these church overseers? The answer to that question is actually found in one of the books of our New Testament. It's actually found in a letter that Paul penned while he is in prison awaiting his sentence, which was ultimately death by beheading. And from his prison cell, he writes a letter not just one four. When I was in Bible college, I fell in love with a course called Prison Epistles. So here's a little piece of trivia for you this morning. What are the prison epistles? They're simply the four letters Paul wrote from prison. Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon. And one of those letters he pens is to this church at Ephesus where he says, I've not spared and I've not kept the whole will of God from you. In fact, I've given it to you. Here it is. And he gives us this letter, known in our Bibles today as the book of Ephesians. Paul the Apostle actually writes this letter to tell us about this whole will of God. And here's what he says. In essence... The entire book of Ephesians suggests that diverse unity is God's will and diverse unity is a mystery. It's a mystery. Now, how many of you, like me, are fans of mystery here this morning? Can I see your hands? You like the genre of mystery, whether it's a mystery novel, whether it's a mystery movie, whether it's a show. My wife and I, are big fans, and we love this guy right here, okay? I know that I am carbon dating myself right now by showing you this picture. But we love Perry Mason. By by applause, how many other fans of Perry Mason are here this morning? Can I hear you? Okay, you just heard all of the old people (laughs) clap here this morning, right? What I love about Perry Mason is this guy's all about mystery. But the mystery doesn't. You sit in this mystery for 55 minutes, and then in the courtroom in the last five minutes, guess what? Mystery is solved. So Paul the Apostle writes to the church at Ephesus, and he says, Listen, I want to reveal for you today a mystery. In fact, no other author talks about mystery more than Paul does. No other book contains the word mystery more than Ephesians does. Seven times in the book of Ephesians, in the short letter, Paul uses this word, mystery. He uses it twice as many times as any other place. Jesus talked when he came about the mystery of God's kingdom. Paul the apostle in Ephesians reveals it. He actually tells us what this mystery is, and this mystery is diverse unity. He introduces it to us in the first chapter of his book. Here it is. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 8 through 10. With all wisdom and understanding, he, God, made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. Here it is. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ what is Paul referring to when he's speaking here about the mystery of his will well he reveals it for us in the scripture in Ephesians let's fast forward to the fifth chapter and I'm going to get right to the end of it here it is for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh This is a profound mystery, but I am not talking about Christ, but I am talking about Christ and the church. I am not talking about marriage. For those of you who have a familiarity with the book of Ephesians, you may know the fifth chapter of Ephesians talks largely about marriage, but that's not the point. In fact, marriage is just another illustration Paul uses for the bigger illustration of oneness, of diverse unity. He is coming at this and he's simply saying, I'm going to show you a mystery. I'm going to give you this illustration. Marriage is a beautiful illustration of diverse unity, but it's part of a wider narrative that I'm trying to make. And the wider narrative is that diverse unity is the mystery of God's will. The mystery of God's will is solved. It's the church. It's Jesus Christ in the church. And he goes on to give us actually what this mystery is in plain language. Right smack dab in the middle of his letter. The mystery of the will results in the church. But what is the mystery of God's will? Here it is, smack dab, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 2 through 5. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you'll be able to fully understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So Paul's saying this, Paul's saying, what has been a mystery in past generations, in other words, what people didn't get that I was trying to do and that I performed and completed in Christ, I'm actually telling you today, plain English, and he does it next verse, verse number six. This mystery is that through the gospel, The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Can somebody say, wow, this is really profound? You may not recognize what Paul is saying here, so let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying this diverse unity is actually these disparate Jews, these hostile Jews and Gentiles that have now come together and are now standing together in diverse unity. Who are the Gentiles Paul's talking about here? Well, Gentiles were simply every person who were not born Jewish. So any person or any group of people, any nation that was non-Jewish, they were all lumped together in one big pot, and they were called Gentiles. The word just means a clan or a tribe, but it's specifically referring to everyone who is non-Jewish. This word Gentiles is not a term of endearment. In fact, here's what it is intended to say and mean. It is intended to mean you are not like us. And because you are not like us, you do not belong to God because we are God's preferred and God's privileged people. And Paul says, time out. Hold on for just a moment. You are not seeing the mystery that has been revealed in Christ and is to be exhibited in the church. Because the mystery is not that there are these two groups, but rather that there is now one new humanity that God is putting together. And he's suggesting here that it is something profound that takes place that only can happen by God's Spirit. And for the remainder of our moments this morning, I want us to really focus on what Paul the Apostle is telling us here about diverse unity. He says, this mystery is that through the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the Gentiles, all non-Jewish people, are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. There is one key word that actually appears three times here. Did you catch it? It is the word together. Here's what diverse unity is diverse unity is people who are different and yet stand together, united. Diverse unity is people who are. Worlds apart from each other, they do not look alike, they do not think alike, they were not raised the same way, they have a different worldview, and yet all of a sudden they're coming together under the banner of Christ, and they are together. Not uniformity, but unity, together. And let's see what Paul says. Here's what Paul says the mystery is. Let's go back to the previous verse. Paul says the mystery is, first of all, that we are together heirs. That's the first mystery. We are together heirs. Did Paul really mean what Paul here was saying? Is Paul really suggesting that every non-Jewish person, everyone who has a different ethnicity... Is actually included in the inheritance that was promised to the Israelites all through the Old Testament. That's exactly what Paul's intending when he says we are together, we stand together as heirs. Here's what Paul is saying Paul is saying there are no longer favorites, there are no longer the spiritual haves and the have nots, there are no longer those who are privileged and given positions simply because of their ethnicity. He's saying there is no longer people who are going to move out in front and be given certain honor while others are left out of the equation. No, no, no. That's no longer going to happen in my kingdom because the mystery is that we are now heirs together. What belongs to you belongs to me. What's promised by God to me is promised to you. It doesn't make a difference what the color or tone of your skin is, what language you speak, or what nation you are raised in you are heirs together he secondly says the mystery is that we are together members we are members together now my wife and i when we were in destin a few weeks ago on our vacation we have this golf club that we love to go to lunch at every once in a while and we just thought to ourselves wouldn't it be fun to just tour the course so we went into the golf shop, and we actually asked if we could simply rent a golf cart so that we could take a look. You talk about being looked down upon. <laughs> the very first question was, are you a member here? No, we just want to see your course. Well, are you a potential client? Are you a potential? No, we just, we just we want a golf cart. We just want to go see the course. And then we were told, you know, all these things. they are given us brochures telling us how we can become members of the golf club. And listen, in God's family, there are no clubs. He's going, there are no memberships. You, you, you don't have certain privileges that other people are left out of simply because of your race. No, that's not how God works. That may be how the world works. You may be able to buy your way into certain things in the world, but you will not do that in God's kingdom. You will come together, and you'll all be members together. Each one will matter equally. Each one will be important. There are no people who get looked down upon simply because they don't have a membership card. And he finally says this. The third mystery here, it's not just that we are members together and that we are heirs together, but the third mystery is that we are together sharers in the promise of Christ. Now, it's been said that, that, that agreement is the, is the birthplace of unity. Agreement is the birthplace of unity. Here's what that suggests. That suggests there has to be agreement. There has to be a shared point of view. And when you find a shared point of view, you can have unity. Very rarely will you find a shared point of view when there's diversity. The very word diversity suggests that we will not see things the same. So I would suggest to you, Paul here is not saying we are sharers together because we have agreement. Well, if agreement is not the point where we get to be sharers together, then what is the point? I think what Paul's saying is you don't need a shared point of view. You need a shared focal point. And the shared focal point is Jesus Christ. When those of us who are diverse will together look at Christ All of a sudden what happens is we begin to walk in the same direction. We begin to hear the same message from God's heart. We begin to think the way God wants us to think. And what does that do? Just like in marriage, a man and a woman who are moving toward God are moving toward one another. As we are moving toward God in our diversity, what happens? Our hearts are drawn together. We become sharers together. And we become sharers together in the promise that God has given to all of us. There are no people who get superiority. And there are no people who are looked down upon in ways of inferiority. I love how Paul finishes this thought. And by the way, Ephesians is where we're going to set up camp for the next few weeks. And we're going to travel other locations. But we're going to put our base camp in this letter because it is so profound. It is so rich in theology and so rich in diversity. And you perhaps have never seen it. And we want you to see it. And here's how Paul, and I'll end here today. Chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Here was the intent. You say, what is the ultimate purpose of this diverse unity? Here's the intent. His intent was that now through the church, The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are three things Paul suggests here. First of all, Paul suggests that as the Ephesian church came together, the mystery got solved. As diverse brothers and sisters joined together, became heirs together, became members together, became sharers together, mystery solved. The church has become the place and the vehicle by which the mystery that is in Christ, that had been hidden, the mystery of God's will is now apparent for the whole world to see. The second thing Paul here suggests is that when Diverse unity is practiced. The heavenly realm is put on notice. If you think that racial tension is the cause of simply what's happening in the minds of people's hearts here on earth, you're kidding yourself. There are spiritual forces at work to create segregation, and division to create hostility. And what Paul is suggesting here is when we do it well, when the church actually takes this seriously, we serve notice to the enemy and to all of the forces of darkness that we will not tolerate. That may be the way the world lives. It's not the way we will live. We will be different. We will do it different because that's the way Jesus told us to do it. And the third thing Paul says is that when this occurs, God's eternal purposes are accomplished. God's eternal purpose in Christ Jesus gets accomplished. It gets fulfilled. The mystery of God's will is no longer a mystery. The mystery of Jesus Christ, it's no longer a mystery. It is diverse unity. It's exactly what Jesus came for. It's what the New Testament authors were proponents of, they were advocates of, and they simply say, now to the church in the 21st century, to those of us who are living in modern-day Ephesus, we can do better. We can do it right. We can be an example, just like the church of Ephesus was in the first century. We can be in the 21st century a model of diverse unity. And it's my prayer. It's my prayer for us at Grace Crossing Church. We're doing it well. We want to do it better. We want to do it better. We want to make sure our hearts are poised in God's direction in this area. As I close this morning, I'm going to do like I promised each week. I'm going to issue you a challenge. I'm going to give you a homework assignment. Let me set it up by telling you a quick story. A couple of weeks back, I was at lunch. I was at a lunch meeting. And I noticed the table just across from me had eight people who came and sat at it. Seven of those people were white. One of those individuals was an ethnic minority. And I was observing the table and just watching as I was eating. I was curious to see what the interaction would be like. And I first of all was struck by the fact that the ethnic minority sat at the last seat. There was a conversation that was going on among the table, but he was never included. He was never asked a question He never engaged in the conversation. I didn't see him say a word. He was eating his meal quietly while everyone else around the table is having a conversation. And finally, he puts his earbuds in because I think he was trying to tune out the exclusion that he was feeling. And so here's my challenge. My challenge is we don't know people because we don't know people. We don't know people because we don't know them. We've not moved toward them. So I'm going to ask you this week to take a step towards someone who's an ethnic minority, somebody in your workplace, somebody who's in your neighborhood. Maybe you walk by them every week as you're walking around the neighborhood, but you've never stopped to say hello. You've never introduced yourself. You've never gotten to know them. I'm not talking about a lengthy conversation. I'm simply talking about moving intentionally toward them to take the mystery out of their story. Like we often see people and you know what, we think certain things, we don't even know them. And I think the mystery can be moved, the shroud of mystery over people can be removed when we simply move toward them intentionally to get to know their story. And so I'm going to ask you this week, I know this sounds scary for some of you. Some of you right now are, you're, you're, ter- you're, you're just terrified to think about doing it. I promise you, I, I promise you, it will be the most amazing experience you will have. It'll be, the, it'll be the highlight of your week. Can't wait to hear your stories next week. Some of you are going to come up to me next week and say, you were right. It was amazing. And I'm going to ask us to take an intentional step to remove the mystery out of another person's life and story. Would you do that with me? Let's stand together. Pastor Josh, would you come please
0: and Would you close us this morning in prayer? Thank you. Father, we want to lay our hearts before you this morning. I know speaking of my own heart, God, I I had an upbringing that was really good. In many ways, it honored you, God. But I know that in my past and in my family history, there's been racism and prejudice and God, I know that things are passed on to me at times that I wish weren't, even as hard as my parents tried, what they received from their parents and grandparents. God, these things run deep. God, I pray for us here, all of us, And God, you would speak to our hearts, you'd move deeply. You'd help us get over the fear of being honest with ourselves and with others. That you'd take the politics out of this and replace it with the gospel. And that, God, you would move, and you would speak, and you would bring clarity, and you would calm fear, and you would increase love and acceptance and forgiveness, even forgiving ourselves. And I ask this, knowing that we can't do it, I can't do it, no one can do it here by natural capacity or strength, but only through the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, and that's how it's supposed to be, and has always supposed to have been from the very beginning. So, God, we open up our hearts We submit them to you and surrender today. Pray that you give us strength to meet the challenge that Pastor Gill has issued. And that you would bless us in it. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.